can't, I can't understand it. We only had like, oh, I don't know, 12 or 13 trick-or-treaters last night. Yeah, that's all. And, and you know what? The broccoli we were handing out was really fresh. <laughs> yeah, all right. Catch you later. Hey, welcome to Season 3, Episode 41 of Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. We are fueled by Gales Gas Bars, supported by Verge Insurance Group. And, of course, we are going into our lovely uh, home once a week here at Fiddler's Poor House. And, yes, I know it's a Tuesday. We haven't lost track of our minds, but... Uh, it just happens to be uh, a Tuesday. And uh, we're going to update you on a story that we haven't chatted about for a while. Rob's kidney journey. We'll fill you in on that. And oh yes, by the way, here we go again. From the here we go again file, we have education issues on the table this week. I just cannot believe it. So we're going to get into that right off the top of the program. Powered by WeStream. And, of course, always here in this lovely uh, Fiddler's Poor House, making our way back into the inner sanctum, the secret room where they allow us to do this show. I hope you had a great Halloween. And we're going to be with you in about 30 seconds. And also we'll update on uh, the Canview drive-in situation. It's still getting an off a lot of feedback and this time in a really really positive way so welcome to season three episode 41 of Niagara 411 live with Lee Sterry and we'll be with you in 30 seconds come on in The lovely Fiddler's Poorhouse, Niagara 411 Live, Season 3, Episode 41 already, with Lee Sterry. Kevin Jack, our uh, executive producer from WeStream, we'll chat with him in a minute, but I want to start right here because, frankly, um, not to put too fine a point on it, and I don't even have a horse in this game. I don't even have school-age children, and this already pisses me off. So if I did, imagine how I'd feel then, or how you probably feel now. Negotiate, don't impose. This was a post put up by QP. Uh, QP Ontario ramps up pressure in the face of legislative attacks on education workers. Don't you love how they word this stuff? In the face of legislative attacks on education workers. Education workers and the communities that they rely on on the delivery of their services will not take the Ford Conservatives bully tactics, said the Canadian Union of Public Employees, QP Ontario, whose president is Fred Hahn, by the way, remember that name. Uh, Lecce, which is our ministry of, uh, Minister of Education, uh, in quotes for this uh, piece, Lecce wants to convince kids and parents and education workers that he has, in his words, no other choice but to introduce the legislation, which is a back-to-work legislation, by, uh, by the way, that they're negotiating or they're probably yelling about right now in the ledge uh, at Queen's Park. That this legi uh, legislation, but that's simply not true, said Fred Hahn, president of CUPE. He has a choice 
to offer an adequate salary uh, increase. Sometimes the uh, print gets a little small, isn't it? Sorry about that. Increase that compensates for over a decade, thanks Kevin, of wage cuts. He has a choice to invest in education to ensure adequate staffing levels from the classrooms to the libraries. And he has a choice to continue negotiations without having the threat of ramming through a contract full of concessions and wage cuts over the heads of frontline workers. Oh my God. Um, I'll continue. The, uh, yeah, the next paragraph is really gets to the meat, to, meat and uh, potatoes here. The final offer of the government to education workers consists of a wage increase of 2.5% for employees earning less than $26 an hour and 1.5% for those earning more. Inadequate protections against job cuts, no paid prep time for education workers who work directly with uh, students, uh, cut to the sick leave, short-term disability plan, and more. Lecce calls this offer a generous one, said Hahn. A half percent wage increase to an already insulting offer isn't generous. An additional 200 bucks in the pockets of workers earning 39k isn't generous. It wouldn't even be generous to accept our proposal. It would be necessary, reasonable, and affordable. It's simply what need what's needed in our schools. We have three more days of bargaining left. Despite the tabling of this legislation and imposing this totally inadequate contract, said Han. Lecce and Ford might think they can just rely on this bully tactic, love that, uh, of a legislation, but we've been in mass meetings the last week with education workers, frontline workers who've record, uh, re, uh, resoundingly expressed their commitment to ensuring good wages, work conditions, and educational environments. On Friday, regardless of what this government does, we will be engaging in province-wide political protest where no QP education worker will be on the job until we get a real deal. Our members will not have their rights legislated away. Now's the time to stand up for ourselves in public education, and that's just what we're going to do. Well, aren't you a saint, sir? Wow. Kevin, after more than two years of families going through educational process and structure crap. Here we go. We thought we might have ourselves one full regular kind of traditional school year to get under our belts and get our families operating the way we would like them to operate in the classroom as well as out of the classroom and now this. Could there be any worse timing or worse public relations for a bargaining unit than this to do what the, these people are, are, are doing. And, and you know what? Normally, I would say, okay, well, let's weigh it, and I'd be wishy-washy, with, but not this. This is just absolute carnage at the wrong time. Now, Lee, what I'm going to say first off is, um, is that the show is wide open. We present two opinions. We know there are a lot of opinions. So I would encourage people, whether you, yeah, might sorry be a, about that. you might be a staffer, you might be a parent who's now staring in the face of what am I going to do with my children on Friday, um, join the program. It's wide open. The Zoom link is right there in the post. Yeah. And, we and, would if, love you're, to and hear if you're your one of the members, I promise I, promise, I, will, not, uh, I will not be too emotional with you, but it, it just seems that let's say I am in the corner of 
the education workers. And, and to some degree, I am. I understand that people need to be properly compensated and, and, and dealt with properly in the work world from their company, whoever it is that they work for. I understand that. And I also understand that the teachers had their and have their issues with regard to their collective bargaining units, etc. But here's, here's what frustrates me is not so much that I disagree with the fact that the workers need uh, to be well looked after. It's the fact that your unions, your organized labor people are not, are not doing a good job by you. They're creating dissent where there shouldn't be dissent. They're creating conflict where there shouldn't be conflict. And Kevin, frankly, we've talked about this before. I believe that all education employees, teachers uh, and, uh, and workers alike behind the scenes should be dubbed an essential service and not allowed to strike. And, I, and it would take all of this off the table. I couldn't agree more, Lee. It seems like the simple solution. I don't know why we become the judge and jury in these private labor matters. I know. Well, we become the pawns. The we fam- do. The families become the pawns. The children become the oh, pawns. Oh, Lee. we're doing it for the children. And yet both sure sides... you are. Both sides should be there for the children. Of and yet course. I, the parent, now have to figure out what I'm going to do with my child and therefore figure out what I'm going to do with, uh, with my business, figure out how I'm going to earn money and also look after my kids on Friday. Yeah. Um, because... What? Well, you, you Because it took you four years to negotiate a contract and you couldn't get it in on time? Like I said before, uh, uh, earlier, I don't have any skin in this game. I don't have a horse in the race. But you do. Uh, in the fact that you, And you and your wife and other families like you and your kids have gone through this for the last couple of years. In class, out of class, at home, out of home, uh, online learning, no learning. All this, all this confusion and disconnect. Uh, trying to educate our children and uh, and the amount of tax dollar uh, that goes toward education in this province. And, uh, I mean, at some point in time, somebody behind the scenes has got to take their head out of their butt and say, let's give these people a break. And I think that's what the government right now is trying to do. They're trying to say, look, no, keep the kids in school. We'll negotiate. We'll talk to you and all the rest of it. But let's can we please just... Go forward. Can't well, we all be friends? On the other side, Lee, is the government is saying, yeah, we don't want to negotiate anymore. Here's what we're legislating. And you're going to get 2.5% if you make below a certain threshold, and you get 1.5%. Because they were pushed into that position. On the other side, you had QP approach negotiations, and their ask was more than 11% annual increase. 11%. Well, and who has ever received it's, 11 It's ridiculous. Except it's, maybe back in the 60s when the GM workers went on strike. It's, it's a non-starter. Something. If you come to a table, and just so you know, Lee, I belong to a union. I've also been a steward of a union, and I've negotiated a union contract. Okay. So I've been at that table. And if you come to that table and draw a line in the sand and say, we demand an 11% increase... It's a non-starter. Well, guess where, what? I'm, I'm sweeping the line away from the sand. Where do you want us to go with that? Yeah. I, and he still said there, like, you know, our ask was reasonable. 11% is not reasonable. Who not out there is getting an 11% yeah. salary increase at your job, let alone collectively, Nobody. let alone on the taxpayers? It's, anyway, Lee, we've got some other stuff to hear, uh, to hear and share on the yeah, show. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. Uh, where do you want to go? We can go, uh, to, let's go to... Let's go, let's go to Han first. Okay. This is the president of, uh, of QP, Fred Hahn. Uh, and again, as we said, CUPE Ontario uh, uh, 
and those unions with the letters joined together at today's press conference to say, negotiate, don't legislate. All right, so here's Fred. Today, the Ford government introduced legislation to force the lowest paid education workers oh, will be. further into poverty. My coworkers and I still want to reach a negotiated agreement that will guarantee service improvements for students, help school boards solve their very real problems of hiring and keeping yeah, looks qualified like employees, she off the set of and secure a significant wage increase for the lowest paid frontline education workers. That's long overdue. In fact, it's completely unclear just how devastating this will be. We have asked the Fred government to actually to outline case, what they have put in this legislation. And to date, we are waiting that clarity. These workers clarity. have been subject to having their rights trampled on for more than a decade. Laura mentioned Bill 115 that opened every collective agreement, rewrote sick leave provisions, and mandated zero wage increases. And then they saw Bill 124, as did so many other public sector workers. Our union and others have been effective in challenging governments in the courts, and we've won, but all too late for workers. Enough is enough. We have a majority across the province. There is growing support for our members in our union, from parents and families, and from others. We will take a stand, and we will do everything we can to defend our members' rights and to defend public education. And I know how hard education workers work. I stand with them, as do our more than one million workers here in Ontario. Who's that woman? And I'm we know calling who that is? I don't. on every worker I should, who has I the benefit of a collective agreement to stand with us, to stand with QP education workers in our fight back against this blatant attack on our fundamental rights to free and fair collective bargaining. We are in solidarity. You were in collective bargaining. You were in collective bargaining. And you went in with an 11 point something percent increase demand. That's not bargaining. Sorry. Um, I shall... Now, I shall dial it back a little bit. But no, there, no, hey, fair enough. Now, look at this one, Lee. And again, I encourage anybody that's watching the show right now, um, you know, just join the program and, and share Let's, your thoughts. Yeah, please. We'd love to, we, we'd love to get uh, so that if there's a message to send over this program, we send it. If, if I'm missing something here and, and you don't mind what's, what's happening on the side of the, the union argument, by all means, let us, let us know. I, I'll, I'll gladly hear you. Hear you out. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and this, what is the, they've got a site, uh, a cube here. The union's put a site up. Yeah, what, bullies.com? Yeah, there it is right there. Yeah, don'tbeabully.ca. That is, a, that is somebody on the side of the organized uh, labor movement took time and money and designed a website called don'tbeabully.ca and using that to reinforce their argument against the government and their initiative to legislate the workers back to work before they've even gone. And there's the other part of the argument, Kevin, is the fact that if that legislation is passed today, and they're arguing about it in the ledge right now at Queen's Park, they say they're going to go out anyway. Yeah, I got a notification from my school last night, as I know a lot of other parents did, saying that um, if QP goes through with their work action, or whatever you want to call it on Friday, that um, our children's schools will not open. 
So my wife and I now have to figure out what we're going to do on Friday because somebody has to stay home, which for some people across Ontario, some people across Niagara means they're not earning a paycheck that day. So exactly. thank you very much. It's all for the kids. Screw you, parents. Stay yeah. home. Can't earn any money. Yeah. And, and it's different in every community. Every school board is going to be implementing their own plan. So you can't even go to any single source and find out exactly what is happening across the province because every single school board, even within school boards of Niagara, I mean, we've got the separate school board, we've got the public school board, etc., is different. Kevin just said that he got, uh, your children are in the... Uh, the French Catholic, so the smallest school French, board. The smallest school board Mont-Avenir. in Niagara. So if, if this thing it really hits the fan, then children that are in schools like Kevin's will have to be at home. And right now it looks like that's going to happen irrespective, Kevin, of what kind of deal takes place. So you or your wife, probably you because you're the entrepreneurial sort of uh, more flexible uh, breadwinner of the family. Um, and I didn't mean that in a bad way, Leanne, sorry, but the most flexible earner in the yeah, family. My schedule's a little more flexible, but it's not to suggest that WeStream doesn't have anything happening on Friday. We of do, course. We have a stream to do for the NPCA on Friday. That doesn't move. That's been scheduled forever. Yeah. Brandon and myself both have young children and young families, so what are... Brandon and Kevin's partner with WeStream. Yeah, what are, what are we to do? Yeah. What are we to do? So, thank you very much, workers. 11% increase, that's what you're asking for? Right. Are you kidding me right now? And the justification, Lee, that um, well, we're you know they're the the lowest earners in a school. Well, somebody has to be. If somebody has to be at the bottom. So who should be if not? Uh, and sorry, somebody I don't has say, to earn less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Somebody has to earn the least amount. Somebody has to. And and that's and that's what that's what you're working for, people. I mean, and first of all, uh, if you go on strike. And I, don't, I, and I don't mean necessarily just the education workers. If anybody goes on strike, if any organized labor union employee in any industry goes on strike, I can guarantee you that you will never earn your money back. The money that you lost while you were not working, it doesn't matter what the increase in pay is, the longer you're out, the longer it's going to take you to get it back. And in some cases, you will never earn back the money that you lost while you were carrying a sign. On top Never. of that, in the legislation that the Ontario government is putting forward, they can actually fine a QP $400,000 a day? I think $4,000 a day $4, per, a day. per <laughs> employee that doesn't yeah. go to school, and QP itself up to $500,000, and QP said we'll that, they, that they are prepared to pay that. And you have that much money? Your, your members have paid dues to the point where you have that much money? To, to throw away $4,000 a day per employee and a blanket fine for the organization. So if I understand this correctly, is the government of Ontario will save money by not having to pay the workers that show up Friday. Yep. They'll make money by fining QP. QP said they're going to pay it. And then at that point, I guess maybe the government of Ontario can offer them another half percent because that's just how the money works out. Hey, we just made $10 million in a day. Sure, here's another half percent. It and you say being, a, and, and some people say uh, being a politician is is a soft touch. It's an easy gig. I have to tell you, if I were, if I had been recently elected uh, an MPP or in particular the premier or the education minister or whatever it is, 
uh, I'd be pulling out whatever is left of my hair by now because we just went through over two years of this crap uh, of, of what are we going to do with our children? How are our families going to going to operate? How are we going to navigate through this? And now the the, 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 the people that really don't have a sense of the public emotion and thoughts on this are waving the flag for the rights of the worker. Well, frankly, the families don't care right now. They just want to go about their lives and get their kids in school and shut up. Sorry. But it just rankles me that they're, they're so out of touch, Kevin, with reality. So terribly out of touch with reality. And then they wonder why uh, the rank and file and the public speak so ill of the education sector. And teachers have bad reputations. And education workers have such bad reputations. The public relations surrounding your jobs right now is surrounded by your union representation. And they're not doing you any favors. They are not helping you. They yeah, are helping. I mean, they are helping themselves. Lee, it's a it's an old argument, but um, you know when we start taking a look at the salaries, and some people might look at that and say, "Boy, under forty thousand. How do we have these people working in our schools?" Now, remind yourself that it's ten months out of the year. Yeah. So there's actually about sixteen percent of the working year left available. So what I can't do, Lee, is get another job in the summer to earn more money, or if you want to add sixteen percent to a salary, a thirty-nine thousand dollar a year salary which is the qp average then works out to about forty five and a half thousand you know how do you anyway uh what let's, i want to uh, do let's, is, uh, uh, want to hear from Lecce? minister lecce yeah. yeah okay let's hear now Sounds this like is like a starbucks drink doesn't this it is his, this is not his announcement yesterday i think it's uh, after the announcement the q a yeah. and they're just talking about the threat from qp to actually walk off the job on friday right. Not going to be a strike on Friday based on government actions, but we are hearing there is. Is there anything the government can do? Can do yeah. short of, of finding some common ground at the table with Keep? It is obviously uh, very regretful, very concerning to hear that. Um, it is certainly our intention that the kids school. We will pass a law, uh, and obviously, I think there's not a parent in this province who would be supportive of children staying home for even one day of a strike. The Premier made this clear, the government made this clear, medical and pediatric experts, teachers in the front of class have made it clear. These kids need to be in a school, in a routine, learning, getting back to basics, enough of the disruption to their lives. And this is not just an academic challenge. It causes long-term impacts to their lives, their mental and physical health too, their social development. Young, there are so many young kindergarten teachers who talk to me all the time, and probably to you, their kids don't have basic reading skills. Stability is the important outcome we can achieve for parents, but more importantly for their kids. We gave the union an option. We pleaded with them to, to accept it, a better option, by the way, where we moved. The only force at the table who's been intransigent, who's been absolutely insistent without any concession or move at all, certainly when we had this discussion Sunday, was CUPE, who said no. We are going to strike unless you accept our nearly 50% increase in compensation, of which includes a 33% increase in pay for workers who are objectively paid highest in Canada, who make more in our schools than they do in a hospital, a college, a university, or the sector. 
and we believe in them and we support them so much so that we're going to increase their pay every single year over the course of this contract. But they've made the decision to strike and we've made the decision to introduce legislation to provide stability and I do hope common sense will prevail, the interests of kids will prevail and those workers will be in school on Friday, do the right thing for, for two million kids that depend on all of us to be the adults in the room and put our kids first. I, frankly, uh, although I have not always been a supporter of the position of the provincial government and uh, Education Minister Lecce, but that being said, I can't find really a flaw, Kevin, in what was in his statement there. I, it makes, unfortunately, it makes sense. And in these days when we are attempting to make sense out of things, that's a rare occurrence. It's rare that you can look at something and say, okay, that makes sense. But do we want, do we really want to make sense or do we just want to cause turmoil and maintain the position and the salaries of the administration of unions? Oh, there is that. Well, I suppose that's not a bad motivator. Yeah, Lee, one of the frustrating things for myself as well is, I mean, this is in a school environment. And when you have an assignment that's due on Friday, if it's not done on Friday, it's late. Here you have two parties, being the union and the government, who, if this legislation goes through, have four years to negotiate their next contract. Oh, yeah. I can circle it on the calendar in 2026 that QP is going to go into strike mode on this date when that contract ends. Yet why in four years can you not figure out how to negotiate your next contract? Well, Kevin, for somebody that dubs himself a, a, a hopeless cynic, I think you're asking quite a rhetorical question. Well, I am. <laughs> but this, this is what parents when are these, ask. When are these contracts usually signed to expire? The end of August. Is that a coincidence? You know what? I never see uh, teachers or QP no. school members threatening to strike in uh, July and August. And I, I never know why that is. <laughs> They're Lee, I golfing. Can't, I can't figure that out why there's never strike action. Nobody's upset with the job in July and August. No. But as soon as September, October rolls around, boy, we need 11% more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm talking from a frustrated parent perspective. I'm also talking from a person who's been in a union, who's negotiated a contract, and would never go to the table demanding an 11% increase. It's this not is, in good faith. It's ridiculous. This supports my position if, and this is never going to happen, if I ran for political office in the province, uh, my, 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 I guess, holy grail would be to get the education sector designated as an essential service. It's a win-win situation for everyone. Take this situation as an example. These workers would not be off the job. They would continue to be earning the wage that is designated to them in their previous agreement or their current agreement. The negotiations would continue. The feet of the union negotiators would be held to the fire, as well as the feet of the government negotiators held to the fire. The people would still earn their living. The workers would still earn their living. The children would still be in school. When an agreement was reached, even if it's a year or two down the road, ask federal employees how long sometimes they've been working without 
without a contract. It has happened many, many, many times uh, over the history of our levels of government. And if you did that in Ontario, the families would not be disrupted, the children would not be disrupted, the workers would not be disrupted, uh, and the union and the government would be the people who are on the hot seat to get this deal done. And when the deal is done, what happens? It's retroactive. So the workers don't lose money because they go out on strike and they don't get paid uh, anywhere near their regular salary to be out on strike, which is cash that they'll never get back. So they continue to earn their money and they go along as they've been. And even if they think they're underpaid, at least they're getting paid. Then the deal is done. It's retroactive. They get a nice big check and they've got a raise in their regular pay. And the union people and the government people have both had to come to the table to make these deals happen and in my mind it's a win-win win-win because the people that are supposed to be on the hot seat i.e. the union and the government negotiators are on the hot seat to get the deals done but the children are in school the families are fine and the workers are still getting paid i frankly don't see a downside to designating education as an essential service i don't i don't see the downside somebody pointed out to me i don't get it well we are getting a lot of comments online but i would encourage those people to join the program we do have a zoom link right there i know for everybody sometimes you're at work you can't necessarily hop on zoom yeah appreciate but if you it. want to share your opinion lee and i have been banging the drum here for half an hour and i think it's time we're going to move on but it doesn't mean that you can't readdress this we're going to be live for another hour and uh lee, let people know what we got coming up yeah uh, we do have trisha elwell whose uh posts were kind of heart-wrenching uh, over this past week. Her dog, she has a great Dane, beautiful animals. The, the dog went out for a pee, jumped over the fence, got hit by a car. Um, badly injured leg, breaks in a couple of places. Car took off, she's looking for the car. She lives in Fawn Hill. Uh, her dog, Lily, is uh, right there. Just, uh. And what beautiful animals. Uh, great, all animals are beautiful, really, in my mind. But Great Danes are something special. They're just so unique as dogs go. But there's Lily, and um, her injuries have cost a lot already to treat, and there could be a huge, huge bill coming in the future. Anyway, we're going to talk to Tricia at about 1240. And uh, right at the beginning of the program, I mentioned uh, the fact that we talked to Stella Slater, and her husband, Rob. Rob was on a kidney hunt uh, to the fact that he had his own, thanks to Sela, uh, Facebook page and movement called Rob's Kidney Journey. Now, when we last spoke to Rob and Stella, they were almost in the final strokes of, um, of Rob's existence because he was suffering greatly with kidney disease and was on the list for a donation for a transplant but it wasn't looking good since then there have been a number of developments and i thought it would be a great idea since you saw the original story this is probably a year and a half ago or so now for stella to come on and maybe rob will be joining her we're not sure depending on how he's feeling so at about one o'clock today we're going to get an update on rob's kidney journey from uh, stella 
Slater. Kevin, I want to thank our sponsors, Gales Gas Bars, for fueling this program as uh, they have done almost from its inception. We appreciate your um, your participa- participation here. And i got to tell you, uh, in, in spite of the fact that, uh, yeah, oil companies do okay as far as business is concerned, but I, navigating these waters of fluctuating, seesawing uh, fuel prices around the world is, it's, it's like trying to herd cats. I don't know... I, I don't know how companies keep up with it, but uh, we go through, and we're not, I mean, we're not trying to ignore the elephant in the room. Yes, gas prices are high. However, um, we have to buy it, we have to use it, and uh, Gales is a Niagara supplier and a Niagara supporter, and um, in spite of their challenges and our challenges in the world of fuel, uh, we certainly appreciate their support here on the program. They're also uh, breaking ground in other areas, being a living wage employer in Niagara, and probably the first and maybe still the only uh, petroleum sector employer in the province to have that designation. They're also a rainbow designated company in the fact that uh, that ensures that all people, uh, creeds, colors, sexual orientations, etc., are safe, be they employees or customers, in their stores. Verge Insurance Group also, thank you for plugging along with us here every single week to support Niagara 411 Live. We still have uh, at least one uh, sponsorship left of the program. Uh, The numbers are good, the efficiency is great, and uh, if you're an advertiser or a potential advertiser or a business looking to perhaps market your product online, to a huge number of people uh, in any one day, by all means, uh, give us a shout, and we'll uh, we'll run over the possibilities with you. Uh, also, uh, Nick at Niagara Four One One, thank you, uh, Nick's mom. Hello, and and again, there have been a couple of posts over the week. There's Kevin from WeStream powering this program, and uh, a technology that uh, is being probably used by WeStream more efficiently than any other company uses uses the internet and online communication and the Canada's foremost streaming company. And as you said, Kevin, one of the reasons that we're doing this show on, on Tuesday, as a matter of fact, uh, is the fact that uh, WeStream has uh, a lot of commitments coming up. You're, you're busy guys. Yeah, fairly busy. On Thursday, we're going to be out at uh, Balls Falls working with the town of Lincoln for a... Um, an agri-food fair, so we're putting the pieces of that together for them. On Friday, we'll be streaming another board meeting for the NPCA. And believe it tonight, believe it or not, tonight we've got a couple of council meetings. Uh, I'll be in Waynefleet, and I believe Brandon is in uh, Port Colbert. And right. you'll see us all over the place in November as we have a lot of um, inaugural meetings as new councils are kind of ushered in. So yes. we'll be streaming the City of Niagara Falls. On the fifteenth, and a week later, on the twenty-second, I think we're into uh, three different municipalities. And these are these, these are exciting times. So, uh, okay, Kevin, let me ask you this right now for somebody that's watching this. You say you're streaming uh, Waynefleet and Port Colborne. How do people find you? Just, just you know, I mean, we think it's obvious, but other people might not. How to find we stream is how to get, find your stream. Yeah, 
uh, how to find those streams is you would go to YouTube and you would search for the um, the Township of Wainfleet, or you would look for the City of Port Colborne, and you find their channel, and you'll see that they're live tonight. And you can also see all the archives because that's one of the bonuses okay. about uh, live streaming too, is that everything gets archived. Excellent. So thank you for that, Lee. I want to move on. Did you see any of these photos yesterday from um, a bank robbery at the TD in downtown St. Catharines? I I did, I did. Um, I'm not, I'm not 100% up to date with the details of how this went down, but I did see the, the story. Yeah, I'll throw the story up here, the actual NRP releases. Yeah. What happened? I mean, this is just a street over from us, and they're, they're saying it was a robbery. I'll get to what I was going to say. In this. Uh, at approximately 11.30 Monday morning, yesterday, uniform officers were called to the TD Bank, Queen Street, in St. Catharines, just over there, uh, following the report of a robbery that had just occurred. The initial investigation has determined that a male suspect entered the bank and demanded cash from the teller. Idiot. <laughs> the suspect received an undisclosed amount of Canadian currency and fled the bank. An NRPS canine unit attended the area but was unable to locate the suspect. No one in the bank was physically injured. The suspect is described as, scroll up please, older white male, five feet eight, medium build, black hoodie with brown sunglasses and gray sweatpants. Almost a typical bank robber. Um, the robbery remains under investigation by detectives, uh, anyone with information, etc., members of the public, etc. So, um, Kevin, first of all, um, anybody that robs a bank today is really desperate or really stupid or both. Because A, you don't get much money. Uh, B, you're going to get caught pretty darn soon. Uh, and, and, and C, you're going to jail, probably. Uh, and with, with the amount of CCTV we have... And most people, if you know how banks work, you don't go up to a teller uh, and ask for their money because most of the most of these tellers do not have much cash in front of them. A lot of these banks have what they call a central cage. Uh, my wife worked in the banking industry for many, many, many years, so I've heard all these stories. She's been involved in uh, banks where that have been robbed, etc. And uh, nobody gets much. It's just uh, all it does is traumatize at least one person in the bank, and and you don't you don't get much dough ever. I mean, th this is not like Ocean's Eleven, okay? It's just not those things just don't happen, and uh, people that usually do that are very very desperate. Half ha half the time there's uh, some sort of addiction involved, and it's not it's not pretty on either side, uh, but it does traumatize the workers. I mean, in spite of the fact that um, nobody hardly ever gets harmed. It's not really the, the point, but people can get harmed psychologically and emotionally when these things happen because it is, it is traumatic. You're working for an organization and you are hired also to protect their assets. And uh, most of the bank workers are told, hey, somebody asked you for something, give it to them. Don't, you know, don't play the hero, just, just go along and, uh, and, and let them go. Um, because chances are they're not getting much anyway. So bank robbers today, 
unless you're trying to knock over Fort Knox, uh, don't bother. Trisha Elwell is a, a resident, I believe, of Font Hill, and we started her story a little bit earlier. We're looking, that, in case you just don't know what you're looking at, you're looking at a, a front a bumper or fender or piece of a car that was dislodged from the vehicle that hit her dog, Lily. And please help my great Dane just got hit by a car about 30 minutes ago. If anyone sees a black car slash SUV missing a fender or wheel cover, please let me know. That was the post from Trisha Elwell. And uh, Trisha is, uh, I believe, in the green room waiting to come on and say hi to it. Hi, Trisha. How are you? Can you hear me? Good. How are you? I'm fine. Things things are okay with you? Uh, well, haven't slept in two days. Okay. Uh, over the stress of over the stress of uh, paying and dealing with Lily. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have to monitor her for her breathing because when he hit her, or the the vehicle had hit her. Um, it dislodged her heart. And there's air between her heart and her chest cavity now. Oh my God! So she has not just the broken leg; she has internal injuries too. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Well, how how is she doing right now? Is she is she active at all? Uh, she's. I've been forced handing her food. Um, she's she's getting. I don't want to say better, but she's at least standing up on her, getting up on her own okay. uh, with my assistance kind of holding her. Um, she's tried to get up and walk a little bit, so now I have put a bunch of stuff that she won't slip on my floors just because I don't need another accident. Yeah, right. Um, so as we understand it, you let her outside to relieve herself and she jumped the fence. Yeah. Okay. And where where exactly are you? I'm actually um, I'm just up from the stop sign where the lady got hit the other day. Uh, in in where those? Uh, g- give us the location. Um, on Station and Port Robinson Road. Okay. Um, and and so, Lily jumped the fence. Has she yeah. done that before? Uh, she did, but it was during the day. So. Um, well, she didn't jump it, actually. She found the only hole that I didn't fix because it was covered with shrubs, but she found a way to get out. Oh, okay. Then I thought I fixed it, but then she found a way to jump over. Well, that's a good... Uh, that I'm glad you said that because I know some people watching this will say, well, why didn't you, why didn't you make it uh, impossible for your dog to get out? Well, you thought you had, I guess. I thought I had, yes. But oh. now that the leaves are moved... From the trees and the shrubs are becoming bare. She found, I guess, an opportunity. Yeah. And it's hard to do that for a Great Dane. How old is she? Uh, she's 16 months. Oh, so she's still just kind of a pup as far as dogs are concerned. Oh, yes. Yeah, so she's, yeah, she, so she's got a lot of energy left in her because I thought older Great Danes uh, probably wouldn't do that because, uh, I mean, we know those great big dogs don't have a long lifespan. But at 16 months, she's probably got a lot of energy still. 
Oh, yeah, she loves to play. Yeah, okay. So, um, her injuries included a leg broken in a couple of places, right? Yes. And so now both, it, sorry? Both legs and her left arm, her forearm, I guess they called it, are yeah. broken. All right, and, and the internal injuries which you, you spoke of. Now, you're looking for or you're trying to get help to find the driver of this vehicle. What do you hope to, what do you hope to accomplish here, Tricia? Well, I more or less want to bring attention to people that Port Robinson Road is not their personal speedway. Just because Highway 20 was never designed for the amount of people that live here in this city, right. town, whatever you want to call it now, um, they use Port Robinson Road as their personal bypass. And they don't stop at stop signs. They don't obey the speed limits. The city doesn't seem to care because I've gone years ago to get speed bumps put down Port Robinson Road, and they just don't care. Okay. And so, again... What is it that you're trying to accomplish by finding the driver and finding this vehicle? I understand, and, and probably what you're saying applies to a lot of different thoroughfares in Niagara where people take, that, take, take their roads for granted and sort of all bets are off and I can just fly down here at my, at, at, at my leisure, um, which is unfortunate, especially when things like this happen. But... Have you have you asked the have you asked the, the the police or any sort of official what if anything that driver could be held responsible for? Actually, my neighbor that just moved across the street from me, um, my spouse uh, went across the street after I had taken her down to the emergency, and she said that um, it's basically like a a deer getting hit. You can't go after the deer, right? Um, so like there's really nothing that can come about it but like there was a a dispute on my Facebook page about you know like I could be liable for all of his car damages and blah 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 and I said okay fine I have the bumper still sitting on my front porch I'll give it back to him I'll give him a can of spray paint to spray the bumper right but to me right now I'm going to be $12,000 in debt to fix my dog and I know $12,000 will not fix his car right. and the potential might I might lose her so can I He's hop in here yeah car. Tricia so you're telling me when did you did you hear the accident and then when when you came on the scene you mean to tell me that the bumper had completely come off the car it was just sitting in my front yard wow I mean, I'm showing it there right now. It looks kind of black, but I think in your post you said it's blue. Yeah, at first, like the witnesses said it was blue, but then when I brought it up to my porch to hold on to it to see if he would come back to get it, um, it, it was black. So I changed my post. So what is your, um, you talked about $12,000, and I know you've obviously already sustained some significant veterinary bills. And you mentioned, oh, yes. I think, in your post that there is an operation required that is going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $6,000? Yes. And is that, the, to... is, that, is that the operation for Lily's internal injuries? No, that's just her leg. That's just the leg? That's just the leg. 
So are there other procedures required for the internal work? Um, not really. It's just basically if she survives, she survives. And if the air goes down, it goes down. Okay. All right. So you have a GoFundMe page. And I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, some people would say, well, I mean, you've got an injured dog. Dogs cost money, et cetera. But this is a, this is a, big, this is a big dog. It's a big deal. And it's a lot of money. And uh, so the GoFundMe page is up. How do we, how, how do we find you if we want to give you a hand with this? Um, I did uh, do an edit, and I put the GoFundMe underneath that link that I put for you guys, that I tagged you guys in. Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, um, sorry. So no, that's it's that's uh, fine. I, I what I was surprised by is somebody would even suggest the possibility that you would be responsible for the damage uh, of of a vehicle. I mean, it's a it's an animal that uh, animals are animals. There you, you you have to understand that they're going to do what they can do and they're going to do what they want to do. And unfortunately, when animal meets car, usually uh, a car wins. And it it, yeah. it is it is what it is. Um, so really, all you can hope for right now is to actually be able to afford to bring Lily back to full health. Correct? Yeah, that's all. That's all I have. That's all I want. Like I don't. Yeah. I've already had a Great Dane get hit on this road before. Um, I rescued a Great Dane, and there was a, a person teasing her on the other side of the road, and she broke her chain to go after them, and she got hit by a car. So, I mean, this isn't the first time um, an animal that's been hit on this road. Um, okay. It's just something needs to be done. Something needs to be brought to everybody's attention in this area, the city of Pelham, you know. Just make it aware that this is not your personal speed ground. Okay. Like there's children that walk up and down these roads. There's animals, you know, like someone will stop for a squirrel, but you won't stop for a four foot Dane. Like, come on. Well, uh, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest for a minute that it, it, this person wouldn't have stopped for your dog. I'm sure it was something that was unavoidable, but maybe they were going too fast. We don't know. Um, but I can't. I can't imagine somebody not stopping. That's that's the thing. It's it's the hitting and running that is the is is the unfortunate part. And there's probably nothing that you could charge this person for. It's an animal on a road, and a ca- and cars hit animals, unfortunately, all too frequently. But it just seems the neighborly thing to do to stop and try to see if you can care for the animal. That's the thing. That, is, is kind of unfortunate here. Yeah. Well, I think because there were people out walking when it happened that I think he was afraid to get his license plate taken or a partial plate or anything. I think it was just like, oh, I need to get out of here. So I don't know if he was drinking. I don't know. I don't know if he was a rush to get his daughter to the hospital. Like, I don't know. But at least be that person right. and just go, I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. 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 Just, yeah, I get it. Okay, um, Patricia, Elwell, now, I'm, uh, apparently, you should be able to perhaps ask your, your town or city council to give you a moment to speak on, on this. Have you, uh, did you alert 
your other than through the normal channels of Facebook that we've already talked about, etc. Have you alerted the municipality at all to your like one-on-one -on -one as to your concerns with this? Um, I actually wanted to speak to you first because I didn't want them to stop me going public with it. Oh, you thought they would do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why? They want people to come down to Pelham and buy all these homes that they're building. You know what I mean? Saying it's a safe, wonderful place. Well, it's not. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> I've been here for 25 years, and it's gotten so chaotic that it's not even funny. Wow. Okay, now that might be, that might be the underlying... Uh, sort of theme of going forward with this story is is that opinion that you just shared with us as far as the development of your community uh, being uh, not as positive as some people are putting a spin on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, um, being here for this long, for 25 years, I've seen it go from, you know, I would go cut my neighbor's grasses because they were widows and to, you know, sh shoveling their driveways and everything else and everybody knew one another. I would drive the seniors that live in the building up the street to grocery stores out of town because they can't afford to go to the grocery store in town. You know, like, it was such a small community that everybody knew one another. Now, no one even says hi to each other on the streets. Wow. Okay. Now, are we talking about the municipality of Pelham here? Yes, Pelham Font Hill, yes. Pelham Hill. Yeah, I mean, Lee, if you haven't yeah. been down that way in quite some time, I mean, Highway 20 is, oh, you I barely have. recognize no, it anymore. I have been, yeah. And then once you go down, like, Rice Road and some of these, and you see all that new development in and around the Port Robinson area. Where, I confess where I haven't been lives. in the Port Robinson Road um, area. Your, neighborhood. Your, your mind would be blown. It, it pales in comparison blown. to what Font Hill was 20 or 25 years yeah. ago. And, hey, Good or bad, that's I'll leave I'll leave that up to you to decide. All right. Well, to me, this is, <laughs> yeah, to me, this is a really uh, important ancillary topic of this story. Uh, first of all, though, first and foremost, uh, is is Lily's health getting her back to full strength? So she's got a nice long full life, and uh, the GoFundMe page uh, is. Uh, tell us again how to find you. Um, I will. Go back on Niagara 411, and I'll make sure it's there. All right. And if not, it's under animals, and her name is Lily. And um, all right. Yeah. Trisha, thank you very much. Uh, I feel sorry for Lily, uh, and uh, hopefully she uh, she comes through this. They're beautiful animals, and um, I guess you got to look at securing that property even more with all this development going on. So good luck with that. Thank you. I'll be hopefully moving soon, so I don't have to deal with this anymore. Okay. Well, all right. Somebody moving. Away. Okay. Thanks, Lily. Have a, have a good weekend. Or Thank week, Thank I you. should say. Uh, Thank I keep you. forgetting it's Tuesday. Thanks, Lily. Uh, thanks. Uh, Kevin, um, that's disturbing when you hear someone, and you, of course, sorry, I'm kind of stuttering around this. I got so many thoughts going through my head, is the fact that you have uh, quite a history of a knowledge of the Port Robinson area. Absolutely, journal on Port Robinson. My my uh, in-laws yeah. actually live on Port Robinson Road. Yeah, and so I know a lot of that area. And again, good or bad, I mean, it depends how you feel. I mean, this is the way life goes. Is you know, I mean, we put houses where farms used to be, and communities develop. I mean, it's good for it's it, it's good for the economy, et cetera, et cetera. But lifestyles have to change and adapt. 
to the changes that are uh, that are going on. I mean, even where my in-laws live, which is the uh, is Port Robinson West, yeah. so the St. Catharines side of the Welland Canal, and you see all the homes and empires putting in there, and it's really changing not just the landscape, but there's a certain type of person and a certain type of family that chooses yeah. to live in those areas, and unfortunately, when those areas begin to change, that lifestyle is no longer afforded to them, and there's always going to be a butting of heads when that happens. And, of course, case in point, a perfect example is Tricia. She says she's lived there for 20 years or more. And uh, and you never like to hear people say we're going to move out of a community, but she says hopefully I'll be moving soon so I don't have to put up with it. And, 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 and this is uh, that area, sort of a laid-back, uh, easy-going, relatively previously safe and quiet community. Apparently, that's changing. Change is inevitable, and sometimes we deal with it, sometimes we resist it. it but the thing that uh, we can't stop is change. So and the things you can't stop is animals being animals, doing what they do, and uh, and sometimes uh, terrible things happen. I kind of feel sorry also, and I don't know whether this is misplaced empathy or not, uh, or sympathy, but uh, f for the driver of the vehicle, because it's, it's very traumatic. If you've ever hit an animal, and, and I have, not very often, thank God, um, only wild animals. I don't know how I would react if it was a, a domestic animal and somebody's pet. That would be, because I have pets, and that would be horrendous. But uh, I can understand the trauma that this person went through that was driving the car. You know, it's, uh, it's not easy for anybody. Coming mm -hmm. up in just a bit. We're going to be talking with Stella Slater. Stella Slater is the, the very, very dedicated and supportive wife of Rob, of Rob's kidney journey. Now, I can't remember the exact date that we spoke with them before, but it was well over a year ago. And Rob is a young man. He's, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, a real estate um, agent. And uh, at his young age, he unfortunately was involved with kidney disease and was in search of a donor because he was on the kidney transplant, transplant list for the region of Niagara. Well, when we last spoke with them, they were kind of, kind of feeling like they were in their last gasps of hope to, to get, this, get this deal done. Well, since then, a lot of things have happened and most of them positive. And I thought, well, let's bring this full circle at least up to date where we can, and Stella is going to bring us up to date with Rob's kidney journey. And Lee, you know what? I can see in the green room right now that uh, that Rob is up and around, so we get to talk to both Stella oh, and awesome. Rob. Oh, awesome. Rob's going to be here, too? In a couple minutes, um, which leaves us enough time. Do you want to talk about that uh, the theft of of the book in Niagara-on-the-Lake? It's, yeah. It's so vague, and yet it it perplexes me. This, this, this goes back to one of those... Um, sort of movies where somebody's stealing valuable artifacts of the past. But do you recognize this individual? Officers are seeking to identify in relation to the theft of an antique book with historical value from a Niagara-on-the-Lake heritage site. Now, Kevin, try as we might, we haven't been able to really have that heritage site identified, have we? Um, but, no. but there's the so the, the alleged vehicle, which is kind of nondescript. There's the guy. Looks like he could be a guy from a movie trying to steal the Declaration of Independence. 
like one of the one of the commenters said he just doesn't look like your regular common criminal but there goes he with i'm assuming this is the alleged antique book under his arm leaving this facility that looks well kind of like a museum or a sitting room or a tea house or uh something but those are the only pictures that that we have we don't have the name of the book we don't what is what is that a fire extinguisher by his left arm and a like I'm trying to make out what that yeah, looks is like. actually a picture of. I don't know why the NRP were so vague with identifying the location. Just yeah. a historical book from a historical location. Maybe they didn't want some copycat kind of thing. But, you're but right, it does it does reek of like Hollywood movie. It's it Da Vinci does. Code. I'm I mean this guy isn't a smash and grab um, gas station robber with a mask and a gun. He's just he he kind of knew what he was coming in for by the looks of it. That would be my guess. He looks like some sort of academic, uh, well-turned-out, reasonably uh, affluent sort of guy. But what did he take? And from where did he take it? There must be some book. Sorry, I dangled a participle there. I ended with a preposition. But So just for those of you that are grammatical... Uh, I mean, the guy's yeah. driving a minivan. Yeah. They, he's dressed well. He's clean-shaven. Like those shoes, and he steals a book of historical value from so someplace. Bizarre. From someplace in Niagara on the Lake. So bizarre. Why so don't we know? See, these are the things, and I'm sure the I'm sure the cops have a reason. Maybe they don't want people, other people, to go there thinking they can steal stuff because there's uh, valuable things there. Maybe there's things that they know that they don't want to tell us because they got a trail on the guy, but they want us to help them to pick this dude up. And we don't know what he stole, and we don't know where he took it from. We don't even know the area. Okay. Um, Stella Slater uh, has been working tirelessly for quite some time now in the plight of her husband, Rob. And uh, it's Rob's kidney journey that we were first alerted to way back when. And I wanted to talk with her because things have moved along fairly swiftly and in in mostly positive directions i think stella slater uh welcome to the program and rob you uh you're up and about uh good to see you guys how are you both doing good good yeah okay yeah now i i don't know who let me start with you rob since you're the guy that is uh floating a new kidney here today um, you you look relatively uh, like you got color in your face. You're reasonably healthy. How do you feel? Sore. <laughs> Sore still, eh? Yeah. Well, the pain goes away slowly. Now, um, when did you receive the transplant? On the thirteenth. Of what? October. Of October. Oh, just this month. Uh, well, last month now. Oh, yeah, it's last month now. Okay, we're November the 1st. Okay, uh, we're, we're splitting hairs. Okay, yeah, so, <laughs> so less than a month ago. Yes. Okay, um, let me slide over to you, Stella, since we were the, you were the first one we, we decided to talk to here. From the last time we talked to you, when was it? Was it, over, it was over a year ago, wasn't it, that we chatted with you and Rob last time? Um, I think it was six months ago. I think it was in May or April. Yeah? Boy, time flies. Okay. Um, so 
after we talked, when we talked the last time, both of you, and you guys can both weigh in whenever you like, is um, you weren't really feeling in a hopeful situation at the time. You were on the transplant list. You were looking for a donor. You didn't have one. Uh, can you bring us up to date? Walk us through the thing, the history lesson here of what happened since we talked to you last. Um, yeah, at that time, we weren't very hopeful. Um, I think around the time we talked, um, we had an appointment with Rob's um, transplant, uh, transplant team. Mm -hmm. And they said uh, that there was nobody in the testing process and basically we'll see you in a year because like no one was in the testing process. Um, but then a couple months later in July, um, we got a phone call randomly uh, from the transplant uh, team and they told us that they have a had a living donor for Rob and uh, someone who wanted to stay anonymous. And um, uh, a month after that, we got a surgery date of October 13th. Wow. Uh, know who the donor was a living donor mm -hmm. okay so rob how did that make when this out of the blue this call probably came what 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 went through your mind or your heart when this happened it, it was out of the blue we had no idea <laughs> um but my heart sank like i had i had no idea how to feel what to say um, what to think even. I, I, I had no words um, when, my, uh, when my doctor told me that there was a, a, a living donor. I was like, what? Like, that's literally all that came out of my mouth. Like, I, I was so grateful. I had so much gratitude towards this person, whoever they were at the time. Um, and I just, I had, I had no words, none. And I think even... Pardon? Even like when they told us that they were going to give us a call the next day, like we didn't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. And like, I think we were just so used to bad news at that point that we didn't, you know, we didn't think anything of it. How, how, do, uh, how do they go about testing whether this is a, a match, for the lack of a better word? Do they have to make sure that this person that it wants to give you their kidney is... Uh, it's going to work? Yes. So um, it's a few tests. Uh, I know the main one is blood, uh, just to check to make sure we are one, the right blood type. Two, you don't have anything wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, you're not ill or anything. Uh, and then they go through a series of other tests to make sure that if this kidney comes out of you, nothing's going to happen to you. Right. Of, of the person that's the donor, you mean? Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so um, how long did that process take? How long did the, you have to go through the evaluation process? So when we eventually found out who it was, um, they came to the house and they told us um, they had started their process in January. And oh, so, you do, they, so you do know who it is? Uh, yeah, eventually... They told us um, who they are, um, actually on Thanksgiving. Um, it's a family friend. My parents have known them for like 40 years. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, and, and so it was, that kind of, 
so an old family friend uh, <laughs> stepped up and said, uh, you can have one of mine. Yeah. Yeah, and we had absolutely no idea that they were even getting tested. Yeah, we didn't find out who it was, I think, until the week of the surgery they decided to tell us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, they came to our house on the Monday, and the surgery was on Thursday. the Thursday. Okay, uh, so you go through the 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 prep. How, do they take do they take the kidney from one person and put it in another person on the same day? Yes. So how it went uh, was I got admitted on the twelfth. And they did a final dialysis overnight, uh, make sure I was completely empty, completely clean, ready to go. Uh, and then the morning of, the donor showed up at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. They did his surgery at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then took the kidney out. And then they did my surgery at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, same day. Fascinating. Wow. Now, Lee, I- I'm I'm fascinated, and I just want to back up a second here. Yeah. Um, can you guys talk about um, what it was like when when they visited you on the Monday and the first time, um, kind of m- not meeting but seeing face to face the person that that offered to donate their kidney. So the person who offered to donate the kidney, he's a religious person. So I thought he was just coming to give me a prayer for the surgery. Mm. Um, And I told him to come around back. So they came around back and he looks at me and he says, hey, I'm your donor. And we were so filled with joy that it was someone we knew, um, someone that was close to us, um, someone that we could keep in contact with. Wow. Uh, crazy. I, I got another question. My, yeah, my, go. my wife was talking to somebody that um, uh, that is close to her that is recovering right now from a different circumstance. You mentioned that you had a, a full dialysis prior to the surgery, and, and he went through something similar, and I didn't realize that for the, at least probably a year or two years ahead, he has to re-immunize himself with everything. Is that something that's on your horizon as well? Uh, yes. So um, I have to check my immunizations uh, just to make sure because once you get a new organ, your body starts cleaning it out, like everything. Um, Before I was allowed to leave the hospital, they had to check all my calciums, all my my magnesium, all that stuff. I was put on an iron drip um, because my iron was low, my magnesium was low. Your body basically cleans you from the inside out. Um, I still have things that are low. My sodium's still low. But uh, that eventually, everything will level out. And you were talking about, I know, Stella, on the, on the Rob's Kidney Journey uh, site, you were mentioning the fact you, you've been kind of walking us through the process uh, in, a, in a really neat way. Not necessarily the most uh, palatable way, but it kind of gives somebody an idea about what's involved here, i.e., you, you said you started to suffer some leakage or, or something over the last day or so. T- tell us about that, Stella, about what you've been up to. Um, so I just wanted to backtrack a little bit about okay. the immuni- immunization. Immunization, immunization um, yeah. Yeah. So he has to take um, like immunosuppressants because basically 
when you get an organ, your body tries to fight it because it's not yours. Yes. Um, so we have to take like dozens anti-rejection of pills drugs and things. Yeah. 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 Anti-rejection drugs to like keep that kidney working. That might have been um, what that friend was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and about the leakage, yeah, like everything was going great up until Saturday. Like they even took out the the stitches from like the main incision. Staples. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, on Thursday, and um, but then Saturday, it kind of like started leaking some like blood tinged water. And um, apparently it's normal, so it's not really anything to worry about. No it's alarms. Just, then. Okay. So just something that can happen. Yeah, um, okay. Long process of um, of rehabilitation and convalescence, etc. Will. Oh, let me back up before I ask that question. How how is the current um, prognosis for this going? continuing to go forward in, in a positive way. Is everything everything kind of looking like you're going to be fine going forward? Oh, everything's leveled out. Uh, my creatine's back to normal. My urea's back to normal. My potassium is normal. Um, actually, before I left the hospital, they said I won't have to see a urologist again until I'm 70 years old. Get out. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. So my, my donor was, they told me before the surgery, he was a perfect match. Usually that only happens when you're related. Right. Well, it sure yeah. it, it sure sounds like you're related now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and <let> me, <laughs> Without a doubt. Rob, let me just ask you the silly question to wrap things up here. You know, people say after transplants, this guy was a, a really religious man. Have you picked up any of his personality traits? <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't think so. So you haven't you haven't been repossessed. <laughs> no, 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 no cravings, no wanting certain things, you know, nothing well, like that. <laughs> congrats, congratulations! We're so pleased that uh, the story evolved as it did. And Stella, to you, uh, it's it's amazing the support and the time and the effort. Uh, and the commitment that you made to to Rob's journey, and um, uh, congratulations to you, Rob. Uh, I think you got a keeper there. Oh, I do, one hundred percent. I will never let this one go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Congratulations, Rob, on on uh, on feeling better and the transplant coming through. Stella, uh, we appreciate your your sticking to this story as long as you have, and thanks for agreeing to come on with us today. You guys. You guys enjoy your life, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Kevin, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. Hi, I'm a living donor. Like, that's that's big. That is a big deal. Yeah, life is full of twists and turns, and whenever you're dealt with one, it makes you, um, makes you realize how lucky you are, right? Indeed. And, and, and the... The, the compassion and the empathy that this person must have had to say, hey, I'm going to go through the testing. I don't want to tell him I want to be a donor until I know I can be a donor, which, of course, makes perfect sense. So that's cool. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the stories that really touched a nerve on this program last week, Kevin, because uh, people were hollering fake 
and uh, all those other all those other relative words when it came to the sort of trial opening of the Ken View drive-in theaters in uh, well, I guess it's technically Font Hill or Thorold. Or it's it's on that on that line, and uh, we received a whole pile of views and comments and forwardings and opinions, etc. As far as the uh, Halloween weekend opening of Canview Drive-In Theater, and apparently it went off terrific. There was a lineup long before they opened. Uh, they did indeed open. Uh, people made themselves at home, and there were tons of comments on the site about the fact that uh, they just loved it because they used to go to the theater, all, the, the drive-in all the time, and it was uh, a little bit of nostalgia for them. And it even, finally, uh, the fellow you're looking at right now uh, on the screen is the guy that we talked to last week. He was the cleaner of the, of, of, of the, uh, the, of the, of the facility. And, uh, and people said, well, why can't you get the... We couldn't get the owners. We didn't know who the owners were until we talked with this gentleman. Uh, and we found out it was premier theaters, people that are operating drive-in theaters in other areas and a lot in other markets around Ontario. So that was the big news is the fact that, hey, uh, we don't just have a, uh, an investor here. We have theater operators that are buying this thing. So that bodes well for the future. And then there was so much hoopla over the past week that we actually got a statement from the owners of the theater and uh, saying that uh, we really appreciate the interest, we really appreciate all of the attention that we got. We are going to be doing some uh, serious renovations and improvements over the next year. And uh, thanks everybody for coming out, sign Premier Theatres, and uh, two thumbs up as Siskel and Ebert used to say when it came to the movies, uh, for the Canview Theatres. Kevin, and uh, boy, we had a lot of interest in that story. When we, uh, when we did the post last week, and then did a, one of our In Case You Missed It posts as well. And there's the Canview Drive-In post on Facebook that I was alluding to. Hey folks, we're back. We're excited to announce that the lineup from tonight, Friday, October 28th, to Sunday, October 30th, will be the following. And then they... Halloween ends and pray for the devil on screen one. Smile and scream on screen two, and uh, and on it on it went. So, uh, if you cool. attend, I think I, Kevin, I'm just uh, thrilled that that story turned out that way. No, absolutely, and you know what? I mean, it, it was weird because news came out in a rather informal way, and that was by design from Premier Theaters because they just wanted a soft opening. So it was yeah. almost like, hey, Anthony. You know people down there in Niagara. Can you just spread the word? Maybe we can get some cars there. Right. And boy, oh boy, did that take off. And people were wondering why uh, there's no, quote-unquote, official announcement. Well, I sometimes know. official announcement in today's day and age come in a lot of different forms. You know, it was, uh, it, it, it was probably, they were probably being uh, stupid like foxes. I mean, obviously they've been business operators for a while. And they sent out a trial balloon and uh, say... Uh, Let's see if let's see if we hit a nerve here by any chance. Now maybe it wasn't calculated, but if it was, it was fairly uh, bright. It was the right thing to do because boy, did they touch a nerve! And uh, I wanted to again that gentleman you saw on the screen, Anthony, the owner of uh, the OMG Cleaning Services here in Niagara, and that's where we got the story. Uh, and. Uh Lee, also want yeah. to uh, update something here that we did on last week's show. We had uh, realtor Dan Workington 
on the show. He was doing his third annual uh, Candy Capsule candy Scavenger Hunt. Candy Capsule Scavenger Hunt um, for so Halloween. So let's just put yeah. a nice little bow on that because it, it took place on uh, on Sunday. And uh, here we go. Here's Dan's Facebook page. And, you know, we encouraged people right. to go out and there were some clues. And if you did find it, you had to take a photo. He said of there would be one clue. Oh, you're right. At, at he noon, said one clue at, at noon. noon. He told you what parks they were in. Yeah. And then at 1.30, he gave a follow-up clue. And obviously, it was enough. Because here we have, okay, the Burgoyne Woods. Tyler Bessie and family. Tyler Bessie. Uh-oh. There they are with their uh, with, with their, uh, candy their container. Their candy capsule. That's it, yeah. So that's nice. So they found that in Burgoyne Woods. Okay. Uh, Walker's Creek, Dylan Abs and family. All right. Oh, that's oh, cute. A nice family. That's awesome. And then... Uh, and you had to call him to get a code to be able to open it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, there's uh, the third one. And where is that one? I don't know where the third one was. I apologize. We can figure that out by process of elimination. Maybe McCaffrey Park. Okay. There you go. Congratulations to her. Way to go, darling. That's super. That's nice. That is terrific. Um, um, Lee, where do you want to go here? Uh, did you see the uh, the damage of the floral clock? No. Yeah, here, this is kind of new this is news. This is news to me. Yeah, the NRP, or sorry, the, the Niagara Parks Police. Who damages the floral clock? No, here you go, from the Parks Police. If you can help bring these culprits to justice. Oh, no. Niagara Parks Police Service looking for assistance in identifying the individuals responsible for vandalism at the Parks Floral Clock. Evening hours, Thursday night. Tipped over and broken masonry work. Oh, that is just, that is just horrendous. Of all the years that I have known about the floral clock since I was, well, about as tall as this, nobody has ever vandalized that thing that I am aware of, at least that's not been, uh, that has been made public. One of Niagara's uh, landmarks. It'll be repaired, I guess. But that's not really the that's not really the point. Who does that? Why can't you leave? This is <laughs> reminds me of the old lines that parents have to their children. You see, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> oh man. Um, anyway, they're looking for uh, thugs. Chances are, I mean, these are just random vandals that just don't want anybody to have nice things. Um, did you see this story? And it was on four, Niagara 411 as well, about the, the so-called marriage convoy. I have, I've never, I didn't even know marriage convoy was a thing. Kevin, have you ever heard of a marriage convoy? No, never. So, what was this? What there, there, was a, there was what a was line. It was on. It was on this side of the Burlington Skyway, coming in the direction of Niagara, and there were vehicles that were abreast. Now they said lanes one, two, and the HOV. Well, there is no HOV lane there, so it would have been the three lanes of the Queen Elizabeth Highway on this side of the Burlington Skyway, Niagara bound. And with lights flashing, and a guy standing up, uh, or a people, maybe more than one, through a sunroof of a car, and they were just do going really, really slowly. And somebody says, "Oh, it was a marriage convoy." 
Is this a, um, and I don't want to say, is this an, e- an ethnic celebration I'm not familiar I, with? I, well, I'm not. That's why I asked you. So is it just a slow-moving I'm an old guy. I don't know this stuff. Maybe it's, that, you know, to parade the newlyweds around some, town. Yeah, I guess. It's but, some sort of, but on the Queen Elizabeth Highway, on a, on a 400 series highway, uh, in major traffic, and, uh, well, the cops got, got, got to them, of course, but I just, I'd never heard that term before, marriage convoy. I don't know what I don't know what that is. I mean, I can understand it. it well, you drive after the wedding through the town, honking horns, and you know all that all that stuff. We've all seen that. But is that what the, is that what a marriage convoy is? And who decides to do it uh, on the Queen Elizabeth Highway, abreast of uh, of all the lanes and slowing down traffic and stuff? Um, well, whatever. Absolutely right. All right, Lee, we're getting to that time. Yes, we are getting to that time. Uh, musically, musically, I'll let you know that we're going to be hearing from the Black Flies. They're a Niagara <laughs> band that I just recently became familiar with. <laughs> and, they should uh, be from the Muskoka. This music video is really cool because it was done. It's for a song called Middle of the Night. And okay. it seems as though they were commissioned to write the song and make the video to help promote the GO train coming from Toronto to Niagara Falls. And, of course, a way to continue cycling. So you can, you know, ride a bike in Toronto bringing on the train, come down to Niagara, then cycle up and down the parkway. Commissioned so, by whom? Well, I don't know. Go Transit, Tourism Ontario, Ontario something like that. So as a result, you will see a lot of uh, Niagara Falls and Niagara locales in this video that's, by, uh, that's by cool. the Black Flags. Where did you find these people? Oh, you know what? Just around. They've been around. They're still, uh, you know, they're still the performing, Black. but unable to find a, a more recent music video from them. But I really dug this one. So. Obvi- obviously came from Cottage Country, the Black Flies. Well, maybe they're the inspiration for their name, but they're from Niagara. So of it's course, Niagara yeah, I got yeah. no, I got that. Okay. What, what's what's the name of the song? Uh, middle of the night. Middle of the night. All right. Uh, thank you to Gail's Gaspars for uh, supporting this program, fueling this show uh, so faithfully, as well as Verge Insurance Group for supporting us. Kevin Jack, uh, our executive producer, co-founder of WeStream, Canada's premier streaming service. Always a pleasure working with you. My name is Lee Sterry. Thank you to Fiddler's Four House, uh, uh, Nick at Niagara 411 and your mom <laughs> and everybody. And I know that uh, Niagara 411 as well as all of us that deal with uh, Facebook on different levels are going through uh, struggles and challenges these days with their algorithmic changes and who knows how those updates go. So we appreciate your patience with Niagara 411 because everybody's trying to sort some of these strange things out. Uh, so hang in there. We're, uh, we, we got your back. We will uh, see you um, next Tuesday as well, will we not, Kevin? For episode 42 of Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. Uh, here we go. The Black Flies. Middle of the night. Have a great week. <laughs>